Welcome to the Badass Adventure Radio Podcast, where we celebrate stories of adversity and triumph in the outdoors, on the seas, and in the field. So I'm back again here with Steve Barger. We're hanging out at B-Dubs. And uh, what, what are we drinking today, Steve? I'm drinking uh, just a light Bud Light today. Mm. Can't go too heavy. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to do that. It's lunchtime here. Yeah, I'm sticking with a little Michelob Ultra. Not my favorite taste, but it'll be good enough for now. You know, a little bit of hydration. Yeah, right after my workout. A little bit. Just a little bit. So, uh, Steve, we didn't get into it the last time we talked, but can you give me a brief background of uh, what you've done, where you've been, who you are? Yeah, I'm Steve. Um, retired Army Special Forces in 14 years. Uh, actually, retired Staff Sergeant. Um, other than that, there's not too much to all right <laughs> now we did discuss uh that you were doing a, a survival weekend a winter survival weekend and uh you just got done with that about what two weeks ago yeah it's uh two two weeks ago i think this saturday all right all right how'd that go went real well um i had a had a real good time um went out by myself went out to um hiked up to apple orchard falls and um had a real good time so tell me how what was your objective for that weekend? What were you trying to do? Uh, my objective was to just uh, go out and basically just live off the land, uh, make my own shelters, you know, catch my own food, and you know, have a good time. So, what was the first day like? Peace, peace, peace and serenity. Um, first day was great. Um, I hiked maybe uh, hiked maybe three miles um, yeah. up the trail. Um, you know, got in the water a little bit, fished. Uh, I'm an avid uh, fly fisherman, so um, I took some dry flies with me and just basically stayed up there and had fun. Had a uh, <laughs> had a half shelter that night. I didn't go far. Okay. Um, okay. I had I went on I went on a Friday and I didn't have to be back until um, until Monday. Monday. So I just took my time, man. Yeah, had, just, had, a, had a ton of fun. Some peace and serenity from from everything. Oh yeah. Now the temperatures got more. Well, not too bad that weekend, were they? No, temperatures weren't bad at all. Um, in the nighttime, uh, temps dropped down into the into the thirties. Um, but I, I I had plenty of gear with me to um, to handle that. Yeah. But other than that, German Shepherd Odin. <laughs> he is he is now a year old. Yeah, he's a handful, big boy. How much does he weigh? Uh, Odin weighs one hundred and five pounds. Jeez, jeez. Only a year old too, man. That's that's incredible. Well, wanted to uh, discuss a couple of things with you, kind of like working on the format of the podcast here. And uh, um, we got into a couple of those different stories last time, um, but in, in regards to your survival weekends, your hunting and spending time with your families, and uh, and what you do in the outdoors. I really want to get into three specific stories that are that are very unique to your outdoor activities. Um, so the first one I want to get into, I want to get into something. It could be anything, uh, but focused around adversity. Mm-hmm. Like when when was it when you just you were feeling the suck during your hunting or survival weekend, or it could be any time frame in that. When when it was just it was just really tough to do and to grind through that. Can you give us a story about like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was actually uh, still in the service at that time, and my unit was based in Fairbanks, Alaska. Um, 
we do this thing called mountain warfare training. Um, it is like a survival situation. Um, you go up into, um, actually I'm not sure, I can't remember what mountain region it is, um, but you actually, it's a three day hike into a glacier. <laughs> Um, altitudes are reaching 20,000 feet. Um, it was, uh, like I said, it was a three-day experience. Um, and this is in full kit, full ruck, uh, full battle rattle. So, so what, would, what would that entitle? Um, so it consisted of uh, no, uh, no less than a 60-pound pack. Um, your, your, you know, your combat boots, your, yeah. you know, your uniform, and your full battle rattle, meaning uh, helmet and um, rifle, rifle, ballistic vest, and plates. Do they, do they have you like carry ammo and gear, or just wait? Oh yeah, I mean we. Um, so everybody's job specific role. Um, I didn't stop throwing it out in the street. Um, everybody's got a job specific role. So I mean, if you've got a, if you had a machine gunner carrying a um, 240 Bravo. He's carrying that. Or a 249, yeah, they're carrying that. Plus, uh, AG's carrying extra ammo. And what were you at the time? Um, I, was, I was a sniper. So okay. I was carrying a 338 Lapua uh, on my back, and I was carrying my regular M4. So, so you were loaded out 60 plus, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, so take us take us through that. Uh, so that, um, that first day, um, you, go to, um, you, go to, you go to base camp, which was a seven to eight mile hike um to the to the to what was called the plateau um and then um you basically just camp out from there i mean eat mres you know you bullshit with your buddies um this and that um the whole the whole reason for this mountain warfare training experience that they gave us was those to prepare us for the mountains in Afghanistan. Okay. And it was actually worse than the mountains in Afghanistan. <laughs> so, why was it worse? Oh God, man, the, the 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 mountains that we were we were hiking up were straight up, and on the at that time, snow, there's ice. It was in like negative thirty degrees. It was, yeah. it was terrible. Oh, that's, that's so <laughs> you'd get to you'd get to humping it, man, and you'd get to sweating, and then, you know, you'd go static for, you know, a few hours and you'd freeze to death. <laughs> So, it's just sitting up on the mountain. Yeah. And it's freezing. And, and the wind up there blowing 30 miles an hour. I mean, on the first day, you're, we're sitting at probably 16,000 feet in elevation. Yeah. So you're just sitting there feeling, yeah, feeling just, the cold. Yep. Waiting for, you know, waiting for the rest of the group to catch up. There's <laughs> a lot of stragglers. Um, a lot of the, the upper echelons that went hadn't done anything like that in quite a long time. And it's the elevation too yeah, that gets it's, you. It's it's a complete suck fest. Yeah. So and that's what it that's that's what it was intended for. It was intended for is like yep. a wake up call, yep. just kinda experience what it's like to be in the mountains. Oh yeah. And how hard those mountains bite back. It like, was um it was absolutely uh, probably the worst thing I've ever done. I'd rather go through I'd rather go through sniper training again, I'd rather go through SF again. I'd rather do all of it than get back on that damn mountain. And what specifically is what just made it terrible for you? Like, what what specifically just like? So I'm five foot six. Um, at that time, I was probably I probably weighed a hundred and I don't know. I probably weighed 145 pounds, and the just the. The, I think it was the pace 
um, that everybody's rolling at. There's a lot of guys up front that were over six foot. Yeah. So they could they could stretch it out. So they're just hauling. Yeah, it was it was pretty much a pretty much a haul fest all the way all the way up the mountain. And okay. it was my legs were burning, back was hurting. I'm carrying you know sixty plus pounds. Quick and elevation I'm, gain, yeah, I've got, high exertion. And I've got six foot dudes yep. out in front of me, really stepping it out, and their their natural stroll was kind of like more like a jog to me. <laughs> so, but look, it was, it was definitely a physical physical. Uh, oh God, yeah, it sucked. Now, we always reach that certain point, especially in an activity like that, especially in those mountains. You're dealing with elevation. You're dealing with physical exertion. You're dealing with a load on your pack. They wear you down to the point where it hits you mentally. Especially, and then the environment kicks in. It's cold. You can't breathe. It's thin air. Oxygen can't get into your blood vessels. Can't get into your muscles. You can't work right. You can't think right. And it starts to infect you mentally. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. So, like, kind of describe what, what did that just So, day like? day two, um, well, the, you know, like I said, the first day was, was to, to base camp, and that wasn't totally terrible but the rest of the the rest of the experience um, is when it started getting bad so day two when we woke up that morning um, we had no shelters I mean we're just sleeping on the ground in negative 30 degree weather um, wind whipping I had a bivy um, so I mean I just covered up and tried to get as much sleep as I possibly could that night um, for the next for the next day And from that point, um, the, the next morning we woke up about five or six the next morning and went to go, you know, finish finish the mountain walk. Um, so day two consisted of an elevation from 15,000 feet all the way to, I think it was uh, 21,000 feet. Um, once we reached 21,000 feet at the top of the glacier, no, yeah, 21,000 feet at the top of the glacier, we were to rest up that day, and um, actually we were going to repel from that glacier down into the bottom of the ravine to camp out, you know, to stay <laughs> that night, um, to keep everybody out of the wind and out of the cold and out of the... So at the end of that day, when we reached the 21,000 feet at the top of the glacier, it actually started to snow again. Oh, um, and we had a mountain storm come in. So that's when we repelled down the side of the mountain into this ravine where everybody stayed um, until uh, the morning of the third day. That's when I was like, all right, I'm ready to give up. Because <laughs> that shit sucked. So you guys were at the top of the mountain, 21,000 feet went to a glacier and rappelled down in a winter storm in yeah. your gear carrying your load down a, you know repelling equipment we did what's called a we did what's called a body belay it was not a full belay okay so it was just um it was just a um a body belay so i mean that's that's rope. So we weren't even using equipment rope over over the over the over the shoulder and then up around your armpit um and down i think it's probably like 400 feet 400 feet rappel that way. Yeah. 
That is uh, some freaking uh, uh, some, some white white knuckle, you know, asshole puckering right there. Man. Some ballsy shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's in a winter snowstorm. Everything's getting wet. Snow coming at you. You're freezing. It, the winter storm hadn't actually hit yet at oh, that, okay. at that right. time. The reason why they they brought us off the mountain is because it was coming off the top of the glacier. Okay, and wanted okay. to get us out of it. So we weren't actually in in the storm yet, but it yeah, it came that night and it. Were you guys wearing like crampons and stuff like that? Oh yeah. As you were down? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> you got you got some some gear like that. That's good. That's oh yeah. Good we job. weren't we weren't just white knuckling it on rope. <laughs> um, we were we were safe. Um, so we we stayed that night. It reached um, once that storm hit, it dropped down into negative negative forty five, negative fifty degrees. Um, and we all did the uh, the super buddy huddle. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah every, man. Every, everybody hug it up. <laughs> everyone, everyone get comfy. Nobody got nobody nobody got any sleep that night. <laughs> You're just shivering the whole time, just like yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Switch from the outside guy to the and, center. <laughs> and we all had we had we all had uh, the Arctic man suit on, so everybody was in their gray suits. Yeah, that's right. So. That's right. It was uh, gray suits and bunny boots. Gray suits and bunny yeah, boots. It little was, booties. It was absolutely it was absolutely terrible. And so, how'd that third day feel? So that third day, um, we got up, and the helicopter actually flew in and oh. picked us up in the oh. ravine and then dropped us back off on top of the glacier uh, to finish out the mountain walk. Um, and it was from the top of the glacier, it was smooth sailing from, from there. So how many miles total was this whole mountain walk? So the whole mountain walk is a total of 36 miles in three days. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it doesn't sound... Doesn't sound you know all that all that much but fact, at, at the at the elevations yeah. at the temperature that yeah the temperature things things kind of all of it yeah, sucked all of it sucked it was it was a wake up call i bet you were in a calorie deficit yeah it just oh yeah everybody was sucking i mean we had i think from the time i started till you know for the for the 3 days from the time we started till the time we ended i probably ate i don't know Six of the seventy-two hour MREs. Going from this that story of adversity of being sucking in the mountains, like those mountains, they will punish you. Yeah, that that, that mountain Ooh. broke me down. I wanted to quit in the second day. Yeah, and a lot of people did. Yeah, um, a lot like, of people quit and gave up and went back. Done. Went back down to base camp. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. So, <laughs> yeah, the mountains will break you if you're unprepared. It's a cra- it sneaks up on you. You don't expect it. You're like, oh yeah, I want to yeah, go to that majestic peak there. There's there's nothing that I've ever done that compares to just the 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 brutal mortality of of that glacier and that mountain. Yeah. Oh yeah. They'll hammer you. But uh, let's let's move on from you know enough of the adversity, bro. Let's what's a story. Of, personal triumph that you felt in the outdoors while hunting while in combat whatever it might be a story that picks up where all your efforts after years and years paid off and you triumphed at once and you just that cemented in your memory what, what kind of story do you have for that um triumph yeah I don't know. I don't. I don't have anything that's really like that. That wasn't um, a full team. A full team effort. Okay. Well, well let's go um, with the team effort. Those. That's a triumph. Triumph so, as well. Um. 
Well, in 2007, uh, during the SOFA agreement, I was stationed in um, Bakuba, Iraq. And uh, my team was, was designated to pretty much shut down um, Route Jenna um, from, from insurgents and IED emplacements. Um, and that went from military age males and above carrying um, specific equipment to dig holes or yep. place IEDs, yep. um, stout, you know, anything that we thought was bad, we had the right to go ahead and deter them from doing, doing yeah. yeah, doing, engage, yeah, engage. And, and, and engage them from doing, you know, bad efforts towards, towards blue forces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tracking. Uh, for the first, uh, I think for the first week that we were there, we had completely shut down the route. We had zero IED emplacements, um, and we allowed Blue Forces to um, to maneuver freely up that route to get um, supplies to uh, to other units and other FOBs. So that was a logistical challenge, and that was took a lot of effort to, to achieve. Oh yeah. I mean, I bet that was just constant engagement with the locals, constant you know. Moving on those military males, moving on those targets, the suspicious activity, all the time. Twenty-four. Oh yeah, you, you had to keep your head on a swivel at all times. Um, there, there were points where I didn't sleep for, you know, during that week. There, I probably didn't sleep for sixteen to seventeen hours at a time. And then when I did get to go to sleep, my spotter would stay up, um, and find and find targets. Wake me up. We'd engage. Now, as a sniper, you were were, were you doing Overwatch for your um, teams? We were doing uh, what's called um, is more route clearance. Okay. Um, more than more than anything. So you're like targeting acquisition, and looking for those constant, the suspicious activity. constant target acquisition. And then the other forces, the other teammates would go in and engage, kind of like do like a. Uh, like a hasty stop or whatnot. Oh, there were or, there were no other there were no other there were no other forces um, that were in this that were in this town. It was strictly on um, a sniper team of okay. Well, we had two, four, six, eight, twelve. We had twelve guys okay that encompassed uh, that encompassed the um, the city. So we had all routes north, east, south, and west. Um, absolutely. Um, just on lock. On point, yeah, on lock. Um, so if anybody were to, to come in there, um, especially on that main route on Mount on Route Jenna, we could clear that route within within a mile. Damn, that's so. that's impressive. So, at what point during that that mission during that you know operation that you're like, hey, we're we're kicking ass here. Like we're we're really doing what we're supposed to do. Um, so within that within that week, I would say it was day number four when they had to do a, um, where they actually had to come out and start clearing the vehicles that we have shut down and the bodies out of the road and out of the street and told us no more okay. until that would happen that I felt that, our, that we were actually doing our job. I yeah. think within... Uh, within those four days, between 12 team members, 
we probably got rid of, I'd say, 54 insurgents. And they, they were, this wasn't just and, like... And over 16,000 pounds of IEDs. All right. So this is this wasn't just people walk, walking around who were doing suspicious stuff and they just got swacked. No, were we were we were shutting down. Stuff. We were we were shutting down. We were shutting down people. We were shutting down VBIDs. And they, um, they had the evidence on them. These bombs on mm-hmm. them. Um, a lot of times, the the way we did things is we would wait for people. They had these things that we call jingle trucks, or yeah. um, you know, we could spot on a route if a vehicle was sagging in the back, okay. or um, we would wait for you know positive ID on on an explosive device to go ahead and shut that vehicle and shut those shut those insurgents down. So it wasn't just about seeing people doing something suspicious. It was about identifying that they actually had something on them and not just that, but identifying they had a device that could harm other people. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, and then of course there's a process that you had to do, right? You had yeah. to Go through the line, the chain of command, identify this is what's going on, and then and then you're made the call. To at at fire. that at that point at, at at that point in time, our chain of command was um, my CEO only, okay. um, and my CEO um, spoke to um, our brigade um, lieutenant colonel. Our lieutenant colonel gave us the go ahead to pretty much do whatever we needed to be done because okay. that route was declared black all the time. And it was an important route for um, other blue forces to ma- to be able to maneuver freely. Yeah, so if absolutely. we thought, you know, once we would once we would somebody see somebody, you know, pop a trunk open and drag a one five five out of it. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, one hour, you know, a guy come over and dig a hole in the side of the road, and then thirty five minutes, another person pull up right beside that hole that they, you know, that they had just dug. Once that trunk popped open, it's hammer time. Because we know what they're doing. Exactly. I mean, for the audience that doesn't know, a 155 is an artillery shell. And what the insurgents would do is they take an artillery shell is just a piece of big steel. But what they would do is they would cram a bunch of homemade explosive or stolen military explosive into this 155 shell. It basically becomes a gigantic bomb full of shrapnel that they can penetrate, pierce, and destroy vehicles that come across that route, or if it should be set off, personnel as well. So you guys did probably one of the most amazing operations, purely sniper-based, locking down these guys at a distance. That is an amazing mission that a lot of people don't get a chance to do um, nowadays in the military and this might be changing but that was a pure sniper mission that had immediate effects that was an amazing yeah mission. it uh, it did um, it had immediate it had immediate effects on the on the entire outcome of getting um, route Jenna open again and ultimately probably protecting and saving American soldiers and American airmen, American Marines, whoever's going down that route, saving their lives, keeping them alive, keeping the logistics going so that we can reach that point of just making impact in that war. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was strictly um, a team effort. Um, and with, without the team members and without the experience that we had on the table, um, it wouldn't have been... It, it wouldn't have been possible. That's that's excellent, man. That's amazing. That is awesome. That's awesome to hear. I love seeing that teamwork work and 
nowadays sometimes it's hard to find those things you know yeah but let's kind of transition we've gone through adversity we've gone through triumph now you gotta tell me what is your most hilarious story dealing with your activities whatever it might be got there's gotta be something funny that you know um I mean there's a ton of there's a ton of funny stuff what's what sticks out the most ah uh, yeah, we used to play pranks on one another all the time. Um, I had a buddy that uh, he was also a sniper as well. Uh, I'm not going to name his name. But right. uh, while we were in theater in Afghanistan, his uh, his sister sent him his um, nighttime <laughs> um, sleepy, ah. uh, what is it, uh, uh, Care Bear. Oh, that he had when God. that he had when he was a kid. So oh, she as, she knew what she was doing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So as any doing. as anybody in the military knows, you know when you're when you're deployed overseas, when you're away from family members, when you're at your worst, when you miss home, when you haven't got a letter in six fucking months because nobody can find where the hell you're at, or yeah. Yeah. you know the. The mail clerk just don't give a shit and wants to sit at home and, you know, sit in his chew and doesn't go out and, you know, doesn't want to get your mail to you. Anything you get from home is welcome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's pretty much hands off. You, you don't <laughs> you don't fuck with people, you know, with their sisters. You don't fuck with their moms. You don't, you know, you don't fuck with their wives. You sure as hell don't fuck with shit you get from home. A letter, you know, a box of candy, you know... You would get, you know, a, a case of Red Bulls. You know, that shit's yours. Yep. If you wanna, if you wanna hand it out, fine. So be it. If don't, don't yep. touch it. Yep. So anyway, uh, me and this guy and a few other guys, uh, we'd always play practical jokes on one another. And um, I walked into my, I walked in my chew one morning, and found my combat boots were gorilla glued to my ceiling. <laughs> I just got a brand new pair of Oakleys so that everybody knew I'd been waiting on these Oakleys for weeks. <laughs> weeks. So I was using just my regular, you know, army issue combat boots that were heavy as hell. I wanted these Oakleys. Everybody had these Oakleys. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, I couldn't wait to get them. Well, my buddy knew that I was waiting on these Oakleys and we were out on a we were out on a mission and the um, supply truck that actually came to our fob had actually dropped off my box of Oakleys ah, in front of my little chew, yeah. you know, in front of where I was staying at. He opened them up and he gorilla glued both of my boots. <laughs> it's 115 <laughs> degrees outside and he's using, you know, this glue that sets up in two minutes <laughs> to to my chew ceiling. I was pissed. I come in that day and I saw the box that was sitting on my front doorstep. I opened it up and he filled it full of rocks. Oh! I walk inside and I'm like, I look up and my boots are like super glued to the ceiling. So anyway, <laughs> it's game on, right? Yeah, it's game on from that point. So, like I said, you don't mess with anybody's stuff. So his teddy bear, that I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there. He slept with all the time as a pillow. <laughs> He took this damn thing everywhere. He, I mean, he, you know, he's 
he's about my size, probably about five six, five seven. Um, at that point, he was probably about 190 pounds, just a big, just jacked motherfucker. And he had to sleep with a teddy bear every night. <laughs> nobody said nothing. Nobody cared. But at that point, I pulled my M9 out of my out of my holster. Actually, I never carried my MI, my M9. You know, all that often. I just kept it in my in my Foot Locker. Yeah, because that thing weighs too damn much. And I'm never going to use a nine millimeter M9. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so, anyway, I went into his chew and I stole his teddy bear. <laughs> and this thing is like, this is just not some little teddy bear. I mean, it's probably 18 inches tall. I mean, things huge. I mean, it's the size of a it's the size of a pillow. Yeah, yeah. So, I stole this teddy bear. And I wrapped him up in duct tape. Yes. Like I was holding him hostage. <laughs> I put his hands behind his back, duct taped his hands behind his back, tuck, you know, duct taped the feet together, all this and all that. <clears throat> I let one of the arms go, and I put that M9 in this thing's hand, and I pointed it to his head. <laughs> and I duct taped it there. <laughs> so when he came in, so when he came in from his from his rotation that morning, he would come into his chew. And find his teddy bear, you know, duct taped with an M9 to its head. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Right, how'd that go over? Now, the next morning, he hit me with a fire extinguisher at 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> he woke he, he woke me up with a uh, with a fire extinguisher out of out of one of our out of one of our trucks. Oh, jeez. And then um, the next night, um, we actually got to go to one of the farms that had this really nice dining facility for everybody in the military, a defect. Oh, yeah, man. Not in the military, a defect is a dining facility, which is a cafeteria. So, um, he... So, anyway, we went to this... Um, we This is one of the actual times that we actually got to go somewhere nice and have a hot meal. Um... Did you get uh, 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 at this surf and turf? No, we weren't there for surf and turf. They had surf and turf on Friday nights. Um, but anyway, we got to go there, and this guy—I'm um, not gonna like I said—I'm not gonna say his name. He loved pie. Oh yes, this kid loved this kid loved pie. I mean, it doesn't matter <laughs> what kind of pie it was. There was pie in its name. He loved it. So anyway. I went to this dining facility and I got this. I got this ten-inch freaking pie. I, I, I actually asked them to make me a ten-inch pie because <laughs> that's, you know, that's what I wanted. And they would they would do it for you. Yeah, yeah. So I got this ten-inch lemon meringue pie. Oh yes. <laughs> and I went. Oh, you know, I went to um, I went to my buddy, and he was actually sitting in his chew at that time, and he was reading a Guns and Ammo magazine. And I was like, hey, bud, I got something for you. And he said, well, yeah, what's that? And I was like, you know how much you love pie? He said, dude, you know I love pie. And I was like, I got this pie for you. I said, but you got to come outside and get it. He's like, all right, I'll be, you know, I'll be right there. I'll, get it. I'll come to the truck and I'll get it. So I stepped out of his chew door and I picked up that pie that was sitting on the front doorstep and I waited on the other side of that door. Yes. When he walked out that door, man, I smacked him as hard as I freaking could in the face with this pie. I was like, here's your pie, bitch. Oh, yes. Oh, man, that's we had, awesome. We had, a, we had a ton of fun. Yeah, man. We had a ton of fun. And then, um, so my buddy Brian, I'm not going to tell you his last name. Um, 
He was also uh, uh, he was he was a team member actually. Brian has no gag reflex. Oh lord, none. Oh lord. Here we so go. when we go out to you know when we go out drinking, Brian can actually down a twelve ounce cup of beer and swallow once. <laughs> like he can just dump it completely down his neck. So. We would always get these new guys in that were, you know, all gung ho. Oh man, I can out drink you. I can Relax do this. I can do that. I was like, all right, you know, if and we would just do something like freaking stupid. We're like, hey, you know, if you can out drink Brian, who was he? Brian was an E. Brian was an E six at that time. You got these brand new privates, you know, oh, these brand Lord. new newbies coming yes. in. These brand new butter bar lieutenants who just come out of college and they're like, oh man, I can drink. I can do this. I can do that. Like, you know what? All right. You can out drink Brian. (laughs) Brian will sit here and do a thousand push-ups. Ooh. Or, you know, like something retarded. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Brian would have to do a thousand push-ups and, you know, within the night of a party. So, Brian could knock out a hundred push-ups easy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, no. He'd just smoke them out. Crank them out. So, anyway, we would would pour these cups of beer or whatever and we'd give them to these privates. And, um... You know, pour the beer in a cup and hand one to Brian, hand one to hand one to the new guy, and we're like, all right, on the count of three, we're going to go. So, here's Brian, here's the new guy, and we're like, one, two, three, go. So, the new guy just starts chugging and chugging and chugging and chugging, and Brian's just standing there holding it. <laughs> Hadn't even hit it yet. Hadn't even tilted it up yet. Just waits. Just, just waits. waits. <laughs> Brian waits to, like, the last... You know, like four seconds or whatever, dumps one down his neck, crushes the cup in his hand, and the, and the new guy's still sitting there freaking trying to choke it down. And they're like, oh man, y'all, y'all set us up. And we always thought that was funnier than hell. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. So the new guy, instead of partying for the rest of the night, sitting out sitting out there cranking out a thousand push ups every 15 minutes. <laughs> Until he goes into muscle failure. Yeah, he goes into muscle failure and you can't do anything. Then you, what, pour, pour beer on him the rest of the night? Just walk over and kick him. Hey, it's bud, like, turn- come join the party, man. The, the beer's almost gone. <laughs> oh, man. Are you going to knock Santa's. out those push-ups yet? Yeah, you done yet? Was, you done yet? Wait, here's some motivation. You know, like, pour the beer, you know, see if he catches it, was, it in his mouth. It was always a good time, though. Yeah. We, had, we had a lot of fun. Well, good bunch of guys. Well, that's awesome, man. Like, we got some pretty good stuff on Heck here. Yeah. Uh, just want to like do a little bit of wrapping up here, uh, and to to wrap up here, uh, what I want to what I want to do here is like the stories and your experiences being in the outdoors. What what does it the word adventure mean to you? Well, I'm a dad of four. I have two dogs and a full-time wife and a full-time job. So adventure to me is is, is two things. Um, I love taking my dog out. Uh, I love being out with him where, wherever I go. Um, but I think it's I think it's my my favorite adventure time is is probably just grab, grabbing my my fly reel yeah. and my dog and a good buddy or my dad and. Um, going up in the mountains and just doing our thing, man. If we can catch some, if we can catch some fish, or you know, go out and shoot a deer, or you know, whatever. Um, that's that's my adventure time. Um, the the serenity of being out in the mountains and being away from the city 
is is more important to me than, than anything in the world. So I'm back at the house. We ended there on a little bit of an abrupt note. I just wanted to wrap things up here at the house where it's a little bit quieter and Steve had some other things to get uh, take care of that day. So to wrap up, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. It means the world to me that you're listening to my podcast, and I really hope you support the show by giving us five stars and submitting iTunes reviews so that I can read over them and see where I need to make adjustments and fix some things. I'm not a technological genius, uh, so I can't. I'm not really good with all the technology, so I'm kind of working on working one step at a time with the whole nuances of uh, recording and all this sort of thing. I just really want to share these awesome stories about the people that I interact with and meet on a daily basis. And hopefully eventually I'll share some of my own. Um, I know i got a couple things up on the YouTube channel right now. Go ahead and check that out. And you can also check us out at Instagram and Facebook at Badass Adventure Company. Uh, go ahead and like, follow, subscribe, do all those awesome things. It really helps me out. But coming up, our next guest is going to be someone I've known for quite a while. She's a three-gun competitor, a GBI ballistics investigator, and she has plenty of stories to tell you about jumping out of airplanes. But that's it for now. We'll go ahead and wrap it up right there. This was Badass Adventure Radio signing out. Until next time, get out there and get it.